Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Okay, now we're talking about leaving your baggage behind as it relates to rejection, inferiority, and those kinds of things. Now, I began to do a study through the Word of God to look at rejection and how it weaves in the Word in the lives of very prominent people in the Scripture. And I began to look at Noah's life. Now, Noah, of course, is the one you know who built the ark to save mankind because the earth was going to be destroyed by a flood. And Noah, preach, a preacher of righteousness, the Bible said, was ignored and rejected and scorned by lots of people. They made fun of him because God gave him a, a, a vision. God gave him an assignment and told him to build that ark. And in the middle of that, he had people mocking and scoffing and laughing at him. Well, isn't that rejection? If somebody laughed at you and mocked you and scoffed at you? Would you not consider that as rejection? They didn't receive you? Well, see, they didn't receive Noah. But Noah had to push through that. Well, you say, well, you know, we don't really think about if we were in Noah's position, how would that affect us? We'd just go merrily on our way and there would be no you know, thinking about, no, he had to deal with it every day, the rejection of man. And he had to go back to God and listen to God's word. Because God's word to him was build an ark. God's word to us is the scripture that we find here. And so that's what we have to go back to when people don't accept, receive, or reject us. Now, remember that the fight that we're in is not with flesh and blood. So when a human being is used, it's demonically inspired. You know, that's all that you can say about it. Sure, the person became a willing participant in that by giving in to what the enemy wanted, but nonetheless, the fight is not with flesh and blood. The fight is, folks, to get you out of your heavenly seat that you have in Christ Jesus. The goal is to stop you from uh, your potential in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you this. Every one of us has a plan and a purpose. You and me, we all have a plan and a purpose that God has for our life. Now, whether we accomplish it or not, it's totally up to us. But there are, there are things that try to pull us away from the fruitful place that God wants us to be. And see, we can, we can continue uh, just to deal with those circumstances of rejection, whether it happened when we were a child. If you think about it in our society, you know, children have to deal with it all the time because their parents, you know, end up getting a divorce or whatever. And many times what happens? The children think it's their fault that their parents didn't stay together. Whether that's subconscious or it's, it's just right out there in front of them, they have to deal with that. Well, they're so, you know, divorce. You know, when you go through a divorce, some of you been through divorce, and you know what that's like, the rejection that's associated with that. So all of that is, it's put in the pathway of our life to stop us from realizing God's plan for our life and being fruitful in the kingdom of God. That's what it's all designed to do. 
And so rejection, inferiority, it's not just some little trite subject. It's very important. And if we don't deal with those issues, we just keep going around and around and around in circles. We can't get along with people. We can't get promotions on our job. We can't get along with our employers and blah, 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 blah. And it just goes on and on. And what we don't realize is we haven't faced the fact that we're dealing with the spirit of rejection, we're building up walls, we prepared an atmosphere for that to continue to happen. We got to break through it. We've got to break through it into this fruitful place that, that we're going to talk about here today. So it's not just a small little thing. It's not insignificant and, and it needs to be talked about. I'll just say it that way. Noah had to deal with it. He was rejected by those wicked and violent people of his day. And you know, the Bible says that in the last day, it's going to be like the days of Noah. So I believe not... Now listen to me here. I believe not only is there going to be wickedness and violence, but I think that spirit of rejection is going to be at work in the people of God just like it was on him to try to stop him from building the ark. God's got an ark for you to build. It may look different than what I'm to do. And, and on and on in this room, it's all going to be different. But that spirit of rejection is to stop you from what God has put in your heart. Amen? Now, if he, I'm not talking about some big elaborate dream. It may be or it may not be. It may just be for you to get along with your family and have the right relationship there. And because of rejection in our families, we can't get along. And we don't relate right, or whatever the case may be. So I'm not talking about, you know, go out here and build some big empire. That's, you know, that's, that's God's work to tell us what to do there. So relate it to where you are in your life and what God wants you to do with your life. We know that He wants you to be fruitful because He tells us to bear fruit. And He's pleased when we bear fruit. Amen? Another person uh, that I looked at in the scripture that had to deal with rejection was Daniel. Now, Daniel was more excellent than his fellows, the Bible said. He had something in him that made him outstanding, that made him stand apart from other people. Folks, so do you if you've got Jesus on the inside of you. He had God involved in his life. Well, we have it in a greater dimension because he lives on the inside of us. And so we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so that sets us apart. That makes us more excellent than people without the Lord. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love them as much. It means that we've got God's stamp of favor and grace upon our life. But you know the subordinates that, um, that he had, that Daniel had, and they tried every way in the world to trip him up, didn't they? They rejected him as their leader, yet he was set over them, came into uh, an enemy atmosphere, and he was promoted in the midst of that, wasn't he? And God can do the same for us, right in the middle of enemies. <laughs> He can promote us. But you see, he had to deal with rejection. And you know, all the, the decrees that were made, and they were made so it would trip Daniel up. He was rejected by these people that were surrounding him. And he said, you've got, you know, you've got to bow down and you've got to worship the way I tell you. And he said, no, I won't. Morning, noon, and night, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to pray. 
I'm going to talk to God. And so he didn't let that rejection stop him. And you know what a, a just marvelous things that happened. And he just continued to be a worshiper in the middle of rejection. See, when the rejection comes, it's going to come to every one of us, but we have to, we have to deal with it God's way and handle it his way. Amen. Now, also Jeremiah, as we look in the scripture, he was a man that was rejected. He's called the weeping prophet, isn't he? And you know why? Because he had to preach repentance in the middle of a rebellious people. And it's no different today. We talk about repentance and sin. People in the world and even the church do not want to hear about repentance from sin. And we have to repent from sin if we're going to get forgiveness. And if we're going to walk with the Lord, we don't walk in open, blatant sin. That doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes and we don't, you know, mess up because we do. But we've got forgiveness through the cleansing of the blood. But we don't do it in a way that is presumptuous on God's grace, do we? But Jeremiah, in the face of having to preach repentance to people who were, were rebellious and would not accept him. And in the mid, knowing that it was going to be impending doom that was coming, he went ahead and preached it anyway. In the middle of all that rejection and everything that was going on. And Jeremiah, you know, even just think about what they did to Jeremiah. You remember the story how they put Jeremiah down into that pit and, and, and he was in mud. He was sunk in the mud. You know, his body was down in that mud and they left him there. Think about it. You think rejection? I think so. He was rejected by those people. Then ultimately, I want you to think about Jesus. As you read in the book of Isaiah, what did, it, did he say? He was rejected of men and despised. And so Jesus was rejected by men and despised. But he's, now I want you to think about this in Hebrews 4. It says he's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's gone through everything that we go through, but he made it out and he was victorious. He wasn't a victim. He was victorious in the middle of that. And so, see, we can be victorious instead of victims. Now, we might be victimized and people may do things to hurt us and harm us and damage us. But when we rely on the Lord to bring us through those things and look to His Word and how we're going to deal with it, we can be like Jesus. We can follow His example and we can be despised and rejected of men, but we can come out victorious. He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That means he went through what we go through, but he came out on top. He didn't give in and cave into it. Amen. And so if he did that, he is the leader for us folks. And he's showing us and all these other people too, that I've given you an example. They were rejected and despised of men, but they came out. They accomplished what they were supposed to. Now, they, had, they were men, and so they messed up in ways. You know, but Jesus didn't. And he said, I'm touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Now, I, I'm going to tell you something here. 
I believe that when we've been touched with the feelings of other people's infirmities, I believe that we use Jesus as our example and we do the same thing. When we've gone through things in our life and we know what it's like and we've come out and we've been victorious and God has touched our lives, healed us and raised us up, do you know that I believe like Jesus that we're supposed to minister to people out of that healing that He's provided to us, touched with the feelings of our infirmities? You've been through things. I've been through things. I've been touched like other people that have gone through things. Now I can share with them. I can minister with them. 30 years of ministry, I'll just tell you, I've gone through some things. But you know what? I don't let it make me bitter. Some people go through things and they get bitter in the middle of it. You may be here this morning. You may be listening to this message and you may be bitter. Get over it. Get better instead of getting bitter. Go on through it, and then God can use you to minister to other people. Folks, that's what it's all about. Today, when we leave this place, it's about who can we touch with the influence of Jesus Christ, the healing power of Jesus Christ, because so many people need it. And, you know, we're looking for an evangelistic field. We're looking for a ministry field. It's all around us every day. When we go to work, when we go to the grocery store, when we're with our family, it's around all the time. People have been hurt and we've been touched with the feelings of their infirmities. We know what it's like and God says minister out of that. And I like what he says though in Hebrews 4. He says, right after he says that, he said, come boldly to the throne of grace. In other words, he said, I know what you're going through. I was tempted like you. I hurt like you. I made it through. I'm here for you. I will provide. I'll be the healing balm for you. Come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in a time of need. Amen. See, So many people think that Jesus is pushing them away, but he isn't pushing away. He's opening his arms and saying, come unto me, come unto me. If you're tired and you're weary and you're hurting and you're rejected and you're just feeling like the weight of the work, come unto me and what? I will give you rest. I'll give you that peace that you need. Amen. Now, both rejection and inferiority are meant to be a scheme and a device, a strategy to paralyze us, if you will, to freeze us. You remember Lot's wife? She couldn't get out of that place where she was in Sodom and Gomorrah where all the sin and the wickedness and the perversion was because she turned around and kept looking back. We can't turn around and keep looking back at rejection and inferiority. We've got to put our face forward forward. God God spoke to Moses. He said, speak to these people that they go forward. God is calling us forward, not backward, not in a static position. He's calling us forward. And that's what has to happen. We've got to go forward and not be frozen in the circumstances of that rejection that is around us. And I tell you, I don't know about you, but I've been hurt really badly at times. 
And, and there for, for a period of time, you know, it's kind of got, you, you got to get your spiritual equilibrium. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like you're just reeling in the middle of what's just happened to you. And it may take a little time, but once you get there, you've got to move forward in the Lord. It may be baby steps. It may be, you know, a quarter of an inch, it, whatever, but you got to start taking steps forward and not staying in that frozen position, not staying in that paralyzed position where all the pain and everything that the enemy, you know, can pour out upon us, we got to move forward. Amen. Even if, like I said, it's just by a little bit. Now, when you look at the word rejection, I'm just going to review this a little bit and look at it. To reject means to disapprove. See, Noah was disapproved by the men of his day. Jesus was disapproved of by the, his own people. He was disapproved of. It means to refuse. In other words, you know, don't accept, don't receive. To spurn, to exclude. Isn't it an ugly thing? Children can do this to one another. You know, if there's something going on, they can just separate and exclude other children. You know, it may be just a group. Let's just take a group of 10 children. And right in the middle of those children is one child. And they'll just start separating off into their little cliques and they'll be the one left. You see, do you not think that the enemy tries to do things like that in, in those little lives of our children? And, you know, and, and see, we can liken ourselves like that to isolate us, to refuse and exclude us and keep us separated out. The enemy tries to do that. It means to shut out, to shut out, just closing the door. It also means to deny, to disallow, and to refuse. Now, I also looked it up, and of course, I realized this, you know, it's talking about junk or scraps or something to throw out, and I realize that that can be like a possession, a material thing, you know, whatever. But I think it relates to where we are too. The rejection is just to call, cause us to think we're a piece of junk, to throw us out. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus did not die on that cross, shed his blood for junk or something to be discarded and thrown away. Every human being, and see, this is what in our nation that troubles me at this time. We do not value life. We need to value what God values. God values life. He values the life of those little babies that are being discarded and thrown out and treated as a piece of junk. He values that life. And if we value it, then it pleases Him. People who are elderly and maybe, you know, they're uh, disabled or, or bedridden or whatever. And people would look at them and they say they have no value. They're a piece of junk. And Jesus said, they're mine and I created them and I love them. And see, when we start to value what Jesus values, you take, you know, the wino or the drug addict or the prostitute. Jesus loves them. They are rejected. There's no doubt about that 
that. And yes, they brought a lot on themselves, but Jesus still loves them. He values them as people. And if we will look at people in a different light, if we will look at them through the eyes of Jesus and not as something to be discarded and thrown away, but yes, they may be doing wrong things, but you know what? The, what the probably the core is the rejection that they've gone through, the hurt and the pain that they've gone through, and that's their way of dealing with it. And that's what, you know, why is going on in their life what it is right now, what, it, what is going on. And so we need to be people, God's people, and I pray this. I pray that God would make me aware of the people that I'm around and His love would flow through me no matter what kind of situation or circumstance. Help me see them, Jesus, through your eyes. And that's a good prayer for all of us to pray. Amen? And, and maybe we'd treat people a little differently, wouldn't we? All right. Now, through the help of the Holy Spirit, we can stop allowing others to dictate our life, how we're going to respond to people who despise and reject us, who don't care for us, who don't like us. You know, some people don't even know us and they don't like us, do they? I always say, if they got to know me, they'd love me. <laughs> and if they got to know you, they would love you too. You see, but the Holy Spirit is the only one who can help us to overcome rejection and not be dictated to and by people and demonic forces. That, see, many times we interpret how we see ourselves by the way they see us. Well, I can tell you. If they don't know the Lord, they're not seeing us in the right way and they're not valuing us. But you see, we're people of the Word. And so what we need to do is take the Word of God and be transformed the way Romans 12 talks about it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the Phillips translation says, don't let the world put you into its mold. See, there's a mold in the world. And in this mold, it says now, this is the way you're to dress. This is the kind of language you, you're to use. This is the kind of movies you're to see. Uh, uh, you know, this is the kind of music that you're to listen to. But you know what? We might be despised and rejected of men, but we need to be, be transformed by the Word of God, the music we listen to, the movies we watch, you know, how we dress. And see, I'm not talking about a dress code, but I'm talking about modesty. You know, even with our kids, we, you know, we're to, we're to follow the Word. Well, if we're to follow the Word in that, those ways, we follow the Word in how it tells us to deal with this subject of rejection. And He's got directions in there. Well, I know how to do it. If they reject me, I'll just treat them like dirt myself. No, that's not God's way of doing it. See, when you get into this book, you see that God says, love your enemies. How do you love somebody that despises and rejects you? It isn't easy, but it is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God giving us direction. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. When the world looks and sees the church handling and dealing with issues in life in God's way instead of their own way, they're going to take notice. But, you know, sad to say, you know, 
much of the time, we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ are handling it the way I said. Well, I'll just reject them. They reject me. Bless God, I'll just reject them. That's what our flesh and emotions wants to say. But that is not what the Word of God says and directs us in how to use it. And even if you don't know so much what the Word of God says, if you will listen to that still, small voice in you, you'll know that retaliation doesn't get you anywhere. You got your pound of flesh and that's going to be it. God's not going to, you know, prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'd rather do it God's way and then my enemies have to come and watch me eat and feast at God's table. Let him get the retribution. Let him get the, you know, vengeance, whatever the case may be. Amen. We need to accept God's favor and grace to raise us up. His favor and grace. If we, you know, we're going through hard times of rejection and different things like that, we need to let God's grace and favor work on our behalf. You know what grace is and you know what favor is. Favor is when uh, you're chosen. Let's just say there's a hundred people and one person is chosen to win a prize. You're that one person. You've got the favor on your life as God's child. And if you, you know, in one place the Bible says that you have that shield of favor around about you. It's just encircling your life. But sometimes we live as the dejected, the rejected, and the despised. Yeah, that may be going on, but God said in the middle of all that, I'm going to put a favor around your life. Did he do it for Joseph? In the middle of all that, he had favor. Okay. He'll do it for us. Grace and favor. God's grace is what got us into the kingdom. Isn't it? His grace made a way that we could have the faith to believe that Jesus did what he did. We've got grace. And grace and favor will help you deal with the circumstances of life, no matter what it is. But we're talking this morning about the rejection. Amen? Now, um, I want us to look at 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Can you put that up on the Amplified? 1 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 in the Amplified. No, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to go there first. I want to go here first. 2 Timothy 1. 15 and 16. 2 Timothy 1, 15 and 16 out of the Amplified. It may take him just a moment to turn there, but I want us to talk about Paul and in the way he dealt with rejection because many times we look at Paul and we think, man, he was such a strong man of God. God used him to pen the epistles and, and give us direction. The Holy Spirit flowed through him. And, and, you know, we don't look at his life and the problems that he had to deal with. Now listen to this. You already know that all who are in Asia turned away and forsook me. Phygelus and Hermogenes among them. Okay. Now I want us to look at this. Here's two men in the Bible that turned away and forsook him. Would you call that rejection? Now you'll really call it rejection when you understand the background. Okay, do you know that in Asia, Paul spent 90% of his time, essentially 90%, you know how that goes. This is only, you know, as much as you can figure. But spent 90% of his time in Asia 
preaching and ministering to the people there. And it's said that Paul and his friends in ministry were the ones that led these two men to the Lord and discipled them. Now look, it says, and they turn, who are in Asia, turned away and forsook who? Me. See, he took it personally. When we get hurt, it's personal. It isn't, you know, just we're dis, you know, just not joined to that thing. We're not disjointed from it. We're joined to it, to that hurt until we deal with it and until we get God's help with it, until the Holy Spirit and the Word of God helps us. You already know that all who are in Asia turned away. 90% of his ministry was spent there and these people are turning away and two people that he personally poured his life into rejected him and turned away. Now, do you think he had to deal with rejection? Okay, but now then I want to go back to that scripture in 2 Timothy. And let's look at it here. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 out of the Amplified. Now, he's talking to Timothy here. Timothy is a young pastor, okay? And Timothy, pastor, when he started pastoring, he was very young. And and Paul told him, don't let people despise you. See, Don't allow them to. Well, can you really stop them? He wasn't saying they can't despise you anymore because you know that they can. You know, I'm in ministry, a woman in ministry. There are people that despise what I do, and I know that. But you know what? I don't let them despise me. I don't let them get away with it. I just keep serving God. I keep preaching. I keep praying, and I keep leading and doing the things that I do. I don't let them stop me. So I'm not letting them through their despising me, paralyze me and freeze me. And don't you do it either. But Paul told Timothy, don't let them despise you. Don't let them get away with it and paralyze your life and cause you to be unfruitful. And, and you know, Timothy, he was in the middle of people that, you know, were probably spiritual and, you know, they're probably saying, well, why, why did Paul t- choose Timothy? Why didn't he choose me? God chose Timothy, and we need to stop all that. You know, well, why this one and why that? We need to just take it the way it is and stop doing all that questioning stuff. I mean, I, God might can tell you some things, but I'm going to tell you if you live your life, well, why didn't I? Why wasn't it me? Why wasn't I chosen? I don't know all that. Don't get, don't get stuck there either. But here, here is Paul talking to Timothy. And listen, when we get to 2 Timothy, where this is, in 2 Timothy, there's persecution like the church has never experienced before. People are being killed for their faith. Leaders, pastors are bailing out of ministry because of the fear and what's going on inside the church. Okay, now listen to this. That is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by the means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. Now I'm going to tell you something. There's... Nothing like rejection and inferiority to put out your fire. Now, he's talking to a minister here, but it's no different. It's the same for all of us. We've got a gift. We've got to keep it stirred up. We've got to stay on fire for God. We've got to stay close to the Lord. We've got to do what it takes to keep that fire alive on the inside of us. You know, this morning I came in 
And of course, I prepared myself through prayer this morning and getting ready uh, to do this. But I came in and I had my music on this morning. It is great. I'm telling you, I was just praising the Lord. I felt God's presence in that car with me. I felt fire in my belly, if you will. But you know, you've got to do the things that it takes to keep that fire alive. You've got to stay in fellowship with God in prayer in communion. I'm going to tell you, when you get in communion with God, you can just sit in His presence. You don't have to pray every waking moment. You can just sit in His presence and let Him love you and let Him change you and change your attitude and your minds and your nastiness. <laughs> How can I say that? Because I'm nasty sometimes and ugly sometimes. But you know what? When I get in God's presence, He'll deal with me about that stuff. He'll talk to me. But then He'll talk to me about things He wants me to do, people He wants me to touch, things He wants me to preach. He'll speak to me. And see, you need to keep the fire alive through His presence. You need to keep the fire alive through the Word of God because He's revealing Himself to you. He's revealing His character and His nature to you through the Word of God. And then stay full of the Holy Spirit by psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. Let other people sing to you and bring the presence of God in. Get those CDs out and listen to that spiritual music. It's important. Amen? So here is Timothy, and he was on fire. Let's listen. Okay, the next. Let's, uh, yeah, verse number seven. Now see, here's a man rejected, Paul, and he's speaking to Timothy who's been rejected too because there are people bailing out of the church and leaving the church because of persecution. And he's already told him, don't let people despise you because you're youth. Now he's saying, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Now I want us to look at that. Power and of love calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Do you want to know how to deal with rejection? That is how you deal with it up there. He's telling us a way to deal with it by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the love of God that He has. to. If other people don't love you, God loves you. If other people despise and reject you, God loves you. And the power of the Holy Spirit is able to raise you up. It's got the, the Spirit is resurrection power. Raise the dead. Dead dreams. Dead plans. It's able to raise the dead. And calm and well-balanced mind. See, folks, when you deal with rejection... And when you deal with inferiority, you better get your mind well-balanced. Why? Because the thoughts are, I mean, they're flying around. You need to say this and you need to do that. And how could the, you know, and here it goes. And you need to, it's just flying around. A calm and a well-balanced mind is one who says, you know what? I am not going to retaliate in the flesh. 
I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead me. I am going to be calm and disciplined. I'm going to make my mind shut up. I'm going to make my emotions calm down. And I'm going to get before God. And I'm going to... And you know, you can pour out your heart to God. God, I'm, I'm so hurt. I'm so wounded. I'm this. I'm that. What do I do? And you know what? He will help you and show you what to do so that you don't make mistakes and hurt yourself in the eyes of God and with your relationship with the Lord. See, it's time for us to not react, but it's time for us to act as spiritual Christians, doing things God's way. Amen? All right, so I think we can see here then... Paul had to deal with the rejection. Timothy had to deal with the rejection. And he gave us a good plan by being calm and well-balanced and disciplined that we can deal with these things when we come up. They come up. Amen? All right. I'm going to give you some truths from Scripture that can set you free from rejection. Okay? Now, I'm not going to go through a lot of Scripture. I'm just going to give you... um, the truth. Jesus is central to our success and joy in life, folks. God has an upside-down kingdom. Did you know it? He does. He has an upside-down kingdom because the world says, do it this way. You get hurt, you hurt back. God's kingdom flips that over and turns it upside down. When they hurt you, you love them. (laughs) How do you do that? I can tell you, you're not going to do it if you're not living for the Lord in that close, intimate relationship, because your flesh is going to flare up constantly. But folks, this is the thing. It's never, never too late to start crowding into Jesus, is it? See, the things that I'm saying today, and well, I failed that test. I failed. Well, we all can say that. We failed the test, of course. But that's why we continue sitting under a message like today and reading the Bible and our prayer time. That's why we continue to do that because we want to become more and more like Jesus. And we want to be transformed from glory to glory. And so it's never too late to crowd into the Lord. So in this upside-down kingdom, we need to realize that God does things differently. Mark 9, 35 says this, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Now think about that. Well, I'm just trying, you know, I want to get, I want to get a promotion. Use this at work. If you want to get a promotion or you, you know, you want to get into that place that God has for you in life, whatever that may be, he said that if you want to be first, then you've got to become last. In other words, that you put other people before you. You put things before you and, and not always think, well, I got to take care of number one. Well, of course you do. You got to take care of yourself, your family. I'm not saying that, but I'm, I'm talking about when everything in life, when you have nothing that you do, that is outside your four and no more. God said, I'm going to turn that life upside down and if you want to be great, then you're going to become a servant. Well, I think in my position that I should be treated this way and that way. Well, I believe in honor. But you know, when we just think everybody is supposed to serve us, then that see, God's kingdom is not being practiced and experienced. Because he turns that upside down. He said, if you want to be first, then you're going to become last. 
If you want to get exalted in my kingdom and you want to be the greatest, see, that's what those disciples, they were arguing. But, you know, can't you just imagine Jesus going down that trail and here's his disciples and they think he can hear them and they're back there. Well, I tell you what, I think I'm going to be the greatest and I think I'm going to be sitting next to Jesus. And, and, and you know, he's hearing all this and he turns it upside down, messes up their day and says, if you want to be the greatest, then you're going to be a servant of all. And if you want to be the greatest, then you're going to come in as the last one. In other words, you put others before you. Amen? Grasping and self-exaltation is the way that many try to operate in the kingdom of God, and it doesn't work that. That's the world's way. Step on everybody on the way up that ladder and just, you know, just maul them and knock them off. But see, Jesus just doesn't say that to do that. And you need to know, too, that your value is not found in your spouse, in a boss, in a pastor, etc., etc., etc. Your value is on the inside of you. It's Jesus Christ. That's, you see, we, we try to compare ourselves and, 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 you know, find our value in, in what we do or who we relate to and that kind of thing. But we're, our value is not going to be found that way. Our value is going to be recognized and realized when we understand that Jesus Christ, the greater one, lives on the inside of us to empower us, to help us, to live in this upside-down kingdom and do it His way. Amen? We just need that growing, dynamic relationship with Him, don't we? Okay, the second truth from Scripture that can set you free from rejection is humility. Humility precedes transformation. I want you to understand that. Humility precedes transformation. I want to be changed, don't you? And and I expect that I'm going to be transformed and changed until the day that Jesus comes for me or the church is raptured. You know, and I'm sure there'll be changes in heaven, but I'm talking about in this span of time that we know. But he says through the scriptures, if you begin to read about humility, you see that it's a key to unlocking our destiny. Humility. God desires this in his servants. Jesus was born of humble beginnings. He was born in a city that was not well thought of in his country. He came from humble beginnings. I think about, you know, as people have said, can anything good come out of Knoxville? Well, I tell you what, we're here, aren't we? We're his people and we're here. And so, yes, it, something good can come out. But you know what? It's not going to be through us bragging. It's not going to be through us bulldogging through our way through, it's going to be through humility and serving and operating and functioning in this upside-down kingdom that I'm talking about. Humility. Humility, um, if you think about humility, it means that we're not full of pride and arrogance, but we will humble ourselves. First of all, the Bible tells us to humble ourselves before the Lord. And His Word, humble ourselves that way. And if you humble yourself that way, then you'll be able to humble yourself in other situations. And even the Bible talks about don't seek the chiefest seat 
you know? And, and the scripture has so much to say about humility, and I really don't um, have time to, to look at a whole lot of it, but just bring it to our attention. attention. Humble yourself to God when there is personality clashes or misunderstandings. Now, you know what you humble yourself to God about, God? Okay, there's personality clashes here, misunderstandings here. What do I need to see in the middle of this? What are you trying to say to me? Is there a seed in this that I need to learn something about myself? It's not talking about laying down and being somebody's doormat, but it's saying humbling yourself and say, Lord, you know, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, you know, whatever the case may be, but show me, is there something I need to learn in the middle of all of this? And then allow God to heal you. Amen? Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Um, I'm not going to take the time to turn there. Um, but it, it talks about with lowliness and meekness and patience, forbearing one another. This word forbearing means to put up with. We put up with things from other people. Well, I'm just going to tell them what I think. I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. No, you forbear with other people. You, you put up with things. Now, see, again, I'm not talking about just like in leadership. There are times that you have to talk to people about issues and think, things that are going on. So there are those kinds of things. But when we're dealing with rejection, inferiority, and all of that, there are times that we need to have this lowly attitude and be meek. Now, what does meekness mean? That's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That means that we have strength, but we're mild. Mild with strength. Mild-mannered. And you know, I, I saw this humility demonstrated. How many of you know R.W. Schambach? I remember one time Eddie and I were at a conference and we ended up sitting at a hospitality table, just the three of us. And I felt so honored to be there and get to, to have dinner with him. But one of the things that was so outstanding to me, now if you know R.W. Shambaugh, you know that he's loud and he's uh, boisterous and he's powerful in preaching, you know? And so I thought when we sat down at the table, it was going to be more of that. He was so humble, so mild, but you knew he was strong, strong in the Lord. And that was a good demonstration to me of someone who, who had real, honest-to-God humility working in their life. And see, that's what Ephesians 4, you can take that and read it a little bit later, but that's what Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through 3 is talking about. But now listen, it says, forbearing or putting up with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So when, you know, when there's misunderstandings and personality clashes and you feel rejected and, you know, inferior, whatever the case may be, look, let's deal with it God's way because he says he wants us to keep this bond of peace. Peace is important. Peace is important to you for your life. Who wants to be tormented and agitated? And peace is important in the body of Christ to keep the unity. Amen? But he says the unity of the Spirit. The spi where the Spirit is, there's unity that God wants to bring people together and connect them. 
And, and when you get in places where, you know, this um, spirit of rejection is in operation and, you know, there's the personality clashes, there's misunderstandings in relationships, and, you know, we're just going to have it out. Put on the boxing gloves. That's not pleasing to God. You might need to talk things out. You might need to, to have you know, a conversation with someone. I'm not saying that you don't need to do that, but you need to go in it trying to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, even in dealing with it, you know. I'm one that I need to talk about things. You know, it's not good for me to just push things under the rug and push them under the rug, so I need to talk. But even in that, I don't need to be argumentative. I need to go with a humble spirit, and I need to endeavor to keep that a bond of peace in the unity of the Spirit. Amen? So that is very, very important. The third thing that we're talking about, truths that can set you free from rejection, seek the Holy Spirit for spiritual restraint and discernment. Get that word restraint to hold you back, to keep you from acting in the flesh. Seek the Holy Spirit for that spiritual restraint and discernment. Discernment to know when to speak, what to say, how to handle the situation. Proverbs 17, 27 in the New American says this, He who restrains his word has, words has knowledge. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who rules his spirit is greater than he who takes a city. In other words, ruling your spirit instead of letting your flesh rule you. Amen? So we're to seek the Holy Spirit for that restraint and uh, discernment. And you all know the story of Moses, and you can read about it in Numbers 20, but you look over there, and, and you know, the children of Israel, my God, who could have dealt with them? You know, it'd have to be spirit, you know, restraining you there and seeking the Lord, because they were just so rebellious, and they murmured and complained, and, and, and you know, and, and it's just like pastor in the church, you run into the same kinds of things. But you see, you've got to do things God, your, God's way, and you can't retaliate and act out of the flesh. Moses did, and he was pushed to that point. And what did he do? He took that rod and he struck the rock two times. And God said, I'm not pleased with that, Moses. And because you've done that, you can't go into the promised land. I don't want to mess, do you? And I, I, you know, I really, you know, hope that we can learn a lesson from Moses and see that that is not, he was denied that privilege that that God wanted him to have to go into the promised land because of that. Amen. Wounds that stand open and uncleansed do not heal with the passage of time. Wounds don't get healed by the passage of time. How do they get healed? They get healed by God working in our lives, by the power of the Holy Spirit, us receiving the Word of God to cleanse us. See, the Bible says we are clean through the Word of God. Doesn't it say that? And so that's what cleans the wounds that we have and, and, and causes us to get on that road to healing and health and wholeness and soundness in our emotional well-being and in this area of where we're talking about rejection, inferiority. Now, I want you to think about this. There... Um, in the Old Testament, if you read there, the priests could not go in before the Lord with scabs on their body. What does that mean? That means that they had 
wounds that weren't healed yet, and they couldn't go in. Now, I'm going to tell you, um, in ministry today, I started thinking about this. In ministry today, the you know, like the five-fold ministry, there are many that have these scabs on them through what I'm talking about, rejection, inferiority, and going through the things that you do in church life by the congregation and, you know, people even outside of the church and everything like that. And, and they have these wounds and, you know, they're trying to help other people but they're not healed themselves. And because of that, they've got these open sores and wounds and we can't go in before the Lord the way we need to and get... Now, I'm not going to say that God's not going to use us. You know, if, I, if I, that's me and I've got, you know, those unhealed wounds in my life, He will. But I'm going to tell you, if we're not careful, we're passing along the hurt and what's caused the wounds to our congregation. So then what happens? Then the people are out there too. They've got unhealed wounds. There might be a scab there to indicate, hey, there's a wound here. There's something that happened to cause damage. See, we got to get healed. We've got to get healed up of the things that wound us and hurt us in life. This rejection of men and, 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 and circumstances. And you know, I told the story about when I was you know, in, in junior high school and how that, you know, in the school that we were in, it was kind of like it was, you know, two parts to this school. There was the haves and the have-nots, the very affluent people, uh, you know, families and a very nice, you know, part of town and, and, and uh, that kind of thing. And then there was where I was from, which was just ordinary Knoxville, you know? And, but because of that, I could not, I, there were so many things I wanted to do in school. You know how I am. I got to get my hands in this, that, and the other. Well, I couldn't because you couldn't do it if you were there. They, they had, you know, all kinds of safeguard ways to keep you out and let the others in. And so through that process, I felt very rejected. And I felt very inferior but I let, you know how we were talking about a minute ago to, to, to take things that have happened in life and allow God to shape you and mold you instead of being this hurt, wounded individual. See, God has used that. Now, I don't believe God did that, but He used that in my life to show me that all people should be accepted and are important. And that's, that's the platform, you know, in my pastoral care here, that's the platform it comes from. There's not, well, these people are rich and these people are poor. And, you know, these people uh, have influence and these people, no, we all have value. Now, I might recognize giftings and know certain things about people, but I don't let it color me and say, well, I accept that one and I reject that one. Because, see, I value life. I try to value life the way God values it. And every person is important to God. Amen? So that was a, an experience that happened to me. And out of that rejection, God has been able to do something in my life to help me grow and develop into the person I am today. And if we'll allow the hurts and the wounds and the things that have happened to us and learn from that and take it, and use it to minister to other people and help other people, then God can bless. 
He can take what the devil tried to do to destroy, bring destruction, and he can bring new life. He can do it. And if he can do it for one, he can do it for us all. Amen? So we don't want open wounds and we don't want scabs and bruising and all of that. We want to be raised up and healed and able to function. Not Now, I use that word, function. Able to function in life and in our families and on our jobs and in our church and wherever else you know, that we have interaction with people. And uh, instead of being dysfunctional, we live in a society that is dysfunctional. If you think about the children that don't, you know, they don't have parents. They might have one. And then the, the, that mom is working herself literally to death to try to provide food. And then in some cases, not even caring about the children, just kind of leaving them on their own. Father's not involved. A dysfunctional society. But thank God, in the middle of that, God can work on us and help us and heal us and make us whole. Aren't you thankful for that? One last scripture I want to give you as I close here today. And it says this, Isaiah 43, 19. Forget the former things and do not dwell in the past. Forget the former things and do not dwell in the past. In other words, get over it and go on with life. But you see, some people are paralyzed, frozen, and stopped, and they can't get on with life. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.